Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing the show with just one other person. This week, I am joined by Seth Moore. Seth is an incredible vice president and co-founder of Catalyst Energy Services. Uh, Seth, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Uh, Yes, Michelle. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. I I feel honoured, very honoured to be here today. Yeah, uh, Seth Moore, the co-founder of one of the co-founders of Catalyst Energy Services. We're a technology-based hydraulic fracturing company based in Midland, Texas. We've been at it almost five years now, I guess from conception, a little bit longer than that, but from actual start, a little bit uh, approaching five years in the next month. So it's been a it's been a fun run. We we weren't expecting a global pandemic and and, and a cycle of, of commodity prices during that time, but who could predict that? So it's been a fun run though. And prior to that, I uh, you know got to work in several different companies and and a lot of different basins around the world. So it's been a it's been a great career now. 30, 38 years behind me on my 39th year. So it's it's hard. Like, where did the time fly? You know, seems seems to to evaporate on us, but it's uh, it's been an enjoyable enjoyable career. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So, how did you get started off in the energy sector? My granddad, he was a double digit employee from Texaco. I apologize, technical difficulty. Um, and my dad was would been in the energy space as well, and my brother. And you know how it is. If you're family, you kind of just the family. That's what you do. You know, the, I heard the stories and I loved the, the the what I was hearing. It sounded fun. It sounded interesting. It sounded like somewhere where a young person could take and, and really kind of be in control of their career. There were so many different facets of the industry. You could start in, you know, you could do things in maintenance where it's real hands on. You could work in the field again, a very hands on and and if you were driven to to challenge yourself and do other things, you could you know your career really was limitless as far as you know the the opportunities for growth. And I was raised in a small town, and that appealed to me. Plus the fact I think that that energy kind of knew no boundaries. If you wanted to travel and see different parts of the world, that opportunity existed, and that always appealed to me as well. So that's what drew me. I think I would probably be a little bit, you know, also, you know, the fact that it, it paid, you know, the, the compensation for working in the energy industry was, was appealing compared to other options for me at the time. It was somewhere where you could go and make, you know, really good money for a young, young person. That was an appealing thought as well. So that drew me. That's really, really what drew me to the industry. Uh, it's kind of family history, opportunities for growth compensation, all those things that, you know, at the time seemed, seemed very appealing. No, it does. So what made you start a business by yourself? Well, I didn't start it by myself. I had a, a colleague that I had worked with and we had time together. We, I think there was a mutual respect. Um, 
that we had shared back when we were on a, a team together, a large team together. And uh, he actually called me and said, hey, I've got an idea. I would like to uh, see what we can do with this. And and honestly, at first, I, you know, I told him no. <laughs> As you know, sometimes good opportunities, you you they have to knock more than once. And he he was persistent and he was convincing. And based on my respect and, and admiration for him, you know, we agreed to to go down this path. And it's it was a a a, a long and in the beginning a bit of a tortuous path to get funding and to get you know to get somebody to believe in your dream. That can be the, the challenge. They uh, so uh, that was the you know once we got to that point and we knew we had something that conceptually was unique and had the ability to really change our industry from our little small slice that we play in in the industry. Uh, I'm you know I think we were committed at that point, and and then that's when the real work begins, of course, and it's been been rewarding and. A lot of other words in there as well, you know, challenging and frustrating. And but I'm glad, glad we stuck to it. It's we're starting to really see the benefits of that persistence, see the um, the fruits of our labor, so to speak. And um, I think that was it. No, that sounds amazing. So, what has been your biggest challenge then? Well, I think in the early days, it was getting others to to believe in that same you know, same dream, right? Because mm. we were really changing kind of how the industry operated um, from a fracturing perspective. There were other competing technologies out there and those technologies on the surface seemed like uh, very viable technologies. When, and we, we looked at those. When you start a company, you have the benefit of kind of a blank sheet of canvas to say, okay, what, what do we want to do here? And, and, and we challenged ourselves. We said, we have this idea, but what if, what if we're wrong? And, and let's look and evaluate everything that's there. And, and we did a deep dive into all the technologies that were there because we didn't want to go down a path thinking we were on a, a, the correct path and find out that there was something else. So, I think in the early days, getting people to, to believe that we had chosen what we feel to be the best option. Our CEO says it checks all the boxes. So if you could design a technology and you had all these attributes that you would want it to have, this technology checks all those boxes. So I think in the early days, that was it. Once we started, we built a prototype and we tested that for over a year and tested that prototype under uh, differing field conditions, and we we hit the go button, right? We hit the the start button, and this is it. We've got it. Let's go. Then the pandemic happened, and the challenges of that pandemic. We had some components that were fourteen months late arriving. Now those components had a ten month delivery on them. Mm-hmm. So from the time we hit go to the time we got the components was twenty four months. And, you know, you, our modeling did not allow for such a, a lengthy delivery on, on components. So that's been that was a challenge. And I think we're behind that now. We partnered with some really great companies that uh, seem to have kind of gotten beyond those challenges. Mm-hmm. And the technology's got lots of lots of field use on it now, lots of hours and runtime. 
and which further bolsters our confidence that we're, we're doing the right thing. But in the early days, again, getting somebody to believe in you and, and, and then after that, getting through the pandemic. And, and I know you hear, probably hear those stories. Lots of people had to suffer through that in the industry, not, not to mention some of the human toll that it took. You know, I don't mean to downplay that in any way, but just from a company perspective, that was the, that was the challenge. I think a lot of companies had the same sort of challenge. How did you overcome your difficulties? Just persistence, you know, a belief that a belief that you're doing the right thing and a belief that it's worthwhile. There were days, you know, where we we, we looked at each other and like uh, a bit of soul searching, you know, or, are we doing the right thing? Are we we were conservative. We're a conservative company. We're not extravagant. So we were able to withstand it financially. But you know, it really makes you start thinking about it. I mean, uh, probably uh, two thirds or more of our industry evaporated in that time period, just went away. Mm-hmm. And and it took a while for it to come back. Uh, we had a guy on the team that used to say, uh, we'd sit around and watch the pages fall off the calendar. You know, <laughs> it's it, it, there were there were some months in there where it was it was kind of a bleak period. And, and, yeah, we, we we really questioned, questioned and and made sure. And at and every every juncture, we're like, yes, we're doing the right thing. It's going to come back and people are going to need affordable power. And, and we've got a, a great story to tell. And we've got a great product that's going to it can can revolutionize this. And we can take something that in some cases is being wasted and use that for good. And, and you know, the story just kept resonating with us and. That's how you get through it. I just think in a strong conviction that you're you're doing the right thing. No, it's, it's it sounds really. I'm glad that you didn't give up actually, because I'm pretty yeah. sure a lot of people would have, especially right. during COVID, because it's probably some of the well in our time anyway, some of one of the most horrific times there was. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the. Again, I, at that time, I had probably 36 years in the industry, and I've never seen anything like it No, in that time. We've been through a lot of downturns. I mean, 08 was a horrific downturn. You know, 15, 2015 into 14, 15 was another big, big downturn. But the pandemic was something I personally had never witnessed, have never witnessed the, the amount of downturn. And, you know, the the some of the other downturns, there were some global implications, of mm. course, but, you know, overstating it, but it's almost like the world was coming to an end, you know, in 2020. Mm. And um, obviously not, but I mean, you know, it's like it was so doom and gloom and bleak everywhere. They just really made you question everything that, that you were doing. And, um, but again, we, you know, had strong convictions that what we were doing was right, what we were doing was necessary, that it was going to be needed, and that we were on to something. It would have been great to have been able to predict kind of the the supply chain disruptions, and we we did a we did a poor job. We underpredicted those disruptions, but but we got through it. You know, as perseverance, you know, pays off in the end, and we we got through it. So. Glad to be glad to be where we are today. No, glad that you're that you're still that you are a success and continuing to grow as well. 
You, you know, Michelle, I, I think, and as one, um, um, to, to hit one more thing on that, I think part of the challenge of leadership as well is making sure that your, your, your colleagues feel that same sense of purpose and they, they, see, they feel that same, you know, confidence that we will persevere. And there were times where, you know, really quality people on the team that, that contributors and people that have contributed immensely to the, to the success of the company and to the goals, you know, they, you could see it in their face that there was, there was concern and, and for uh, the leadership to be able to convey to them in a, in a believable way that we will persevere, we will get through this. That was, that was probably a pretty big challenge. And I think one that for the most part, we were able to to pull off, you know, we believed it ourselves. So it's genuine. And, and I think that comes across, but the toll to the work, to the colleague psyche, if you will, at that time was pretty hard because again, I mean, people, they were dealing with stuff at home. Some of them lost loved ones. You know, there was some of them spouse lost their job. Uh, you know, it was just, it was heartbreak story after heartbreak story. So to be able to bring some calm to that, was something that I look back on and, and I, I'm amazed at, at, you know, how we kind of got through it. And, 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 and I appreciate those that were able to, to hang it out with us because they're, you know, obviously you can't do anything without a, a great team around you. And we're, we're very fortunate to have a, a world-class team. We're a small company, but I put this team up against any team I've ever worked with. So that was, that was, a, that was a great win out of all of this for me personally. So. No, that's a really good message to keep persevering no matter what. I'm glad yeah. you have a really good team as well. It sounds yeah. like you. Thank you. So who was your role model and why did you find them inspirational? You know, I would say my, my parents were excellent role models. They both passed, but they were, you know, just incredible role models. They, they walk the walk and they talk the talk, as the old saying goes. And, you know, they they instilled in me that if you, you know, if you believe in yourself and you have a, a belief in a higher being, that there's really not anything that you can't accomplish if you set your mind to it. And I think my grandparents, I was very fortunate to, to know my grandparents and they were very, all of them very successful in their own way. From, from their beginnings to where, you know, what they achieved in life. And I'm not talking material things. I'm just talking about life accomplishments. They were all very successful. I had an older brother that um, he was a mentor to me as well. And my siblings, I'm the youngest child. So I had siblings to look up to and, and they were, you know, believed in me and, and we supported each other. That was good. When I, when I got out into the workforce, there's a couple people that really stand out, you know, that took the time with me and truly kind of maybe they saw something in the rough and they said, hey, I can I can help polish this person and get him to the next level. I'm, I'm you know, I've had the, this many years in the industry. I've, I've had an opportunity to have a lot of really great mentors and um you know, from the when I started in the field, some of the guys that that took me under their wing and and saw something in me, they took extra time with me that they didn't have to. They really gave something of themselves. 
so that I could be better, but realistically so, so that the team could be better. I, 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 if I started naming names with this, 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 this recording's not long enough, but there were, there were quite a few. And, and, you know, I tell my team that being a good leader means you're a good teacher and you share what you, you share what you, you learn and you share what you know. And I'm in the kind of the later years, let's call it the sunset years of my career. And so trying to share that and share that in a positive and an inspirational way is I have to remind myself every day that that's, that's part of what, what being a good leader is that strip the titles away, right? Take all the titles, take all that away. But because anybody, when you're experienced, you have the ability to lead and to teach and, um, and mentor someone. And I think, I think there's no better time for it than now. The, the technology has made, there's challenges around getting that transfer of knowledge. Mm. It's not so simple as just hitting a button. There's knowing the why. I call it understanding the why behind it. Some of that we've stripped away. It's just do this, do this, and do this, and here's a positive outcome. But when something doesn't, when that string doesn't perfectly line up, you need to understand the why in order to fix it. And we've lost some of that. That's where some of the more experienced workers can really pass along knowledge through the experiences that they've had that drive a better overall outcome. I spend a bit of time with that, teaching and teaching the why, because I think it's important. I think it's important as well. It is to take to, to share your your knowledge with other people as well. Yeah. It is. So how does your current role compare to your aspirations as a young boy? You know, I think as a, as yeah, as a dream, you know, you have a, a idea of, of you know, being in a leadership position in a company one day, whether that's a an owner or a you know a CEO or or but I think being in a position to drive change. Mm. being in a position of influence, being in a position to be able to influence efficiency. Mm. I, I, I read an article, I was a young, a young boy in elementary and I elementary school, and I read an article about efficiency experts. That was the term back of, of whatever year that was. And it seemed, seemed interesting to me. My dad kind of he kind of thought in that way, right? How do you, the most efficient things of getting, ways of getting things done, the sequence, how you get things done. And that appealed to me. So I kind of, I, I took a path in part of my career where I was on a, an ISO team, ISO standardization team. And it was kind of looking at what's the most efficient ways to get things done step by step. And um, I, I never went down that path fully as my whole my whole uh, job duties, but I was involved with it. And I, I was amazed at how, how that could drive positive change, both reducing risk, taking unnecessary steps out, reducing waste, you know, getting rid of unnecessary steps or making sure you had all the proper steps so that you drove consistency and service delivery and service discipline and those, those things driving service quality I realized that that was part of that whole efficiency expert article that I had read as a, as a, as a young boy. And I think today in the role that I'm in, I get to, I get to have my hands on that as well to a, to a larger team, of course, and they have to do the heavy lifting, but Mm -hmm. at least I can be influential in asking questions. So 
Yeah, I think it kind of lines with with some of that, you know, youthful dreaming of of where you might end up one day. But yeah, that's a that's my tie to my to my youthful desires and and my current reality. So no, thank you. Is there anything that you still want to achieve in your career? Yeah, I you know I, I want to see how see how far Michelle we can we can take this. I think Bobby and I and our you know we we look at this and see a lot of growth opportunity, mm. and I'm enjoying seeing our team grow, getting to grow their skills because we're doing something different. And we've got a lot of experienced people, but this is the first time they've done this, many of them. And I'm talking our, we have a direct drive turbine technology that's, you know, burns 100% natural gas. And it's a very small technology, small footprint. It's a, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to give a shameless, you know, shout out here to the technology, but the, the you know, up to 99% waste stream reduction so those are big things, right? You're burning natural gas, 40% improvement in emissions. You're taking things that sometimes is a waste product and reusing and using it to, to create good with instead of wasting. You, you reduce, worker safe, reduce worker safety by having less maintenance interactions that have to occur. There's just so many good things about it. And, and you know, we want to see how far we can take it. We think it's so great, you know, we want to, the industry's starting to take notice. Customers are taking notice. And I don't know, I, I, you know, where, where can we go with it? I guess is, is that's kind of where we are. I feel fortunate, very fortunate to have had the career I've had and have, it's kind of like everything I've done has been a building block, a stepping stone to get to this point. And I don't want to look back in some number of years and say, man, I wish we would have just kept going. I want to keep going until I think you, I think, I don't know. I think I'll know when it's time and um, it's time to say, you know, okay, we've achieved what we're going to achieve, but we're not, we're not, I'm not there personally today. So I think kind of like we started the conversation about COVID would just keep, keep persistence and persevere and keep going forward. That's the thought. Yeah. I was wanting to go back to when you were seeing that you thought that during your career that everything led to this point of what you're doing now. Do you really believe that? Because I, I, I believe that as well. But uh, yeah. do you think that what you, your career path and, and all your different training that you've had and your different experiences has all, has all led to where you are today? I do. I, I fully do. And, and I would say even beyond before, my career, you know, if my career began, you know, it when I entered the industry. Um, I would say even before that, right? If you look at it, the training that I had, my dad had businesses, and and you know, the work ethic that he instilled, he and my grandparents instilled in me, and my mom. That's part of who I am. You know, we run pretty hard. I run pretty hard, and you have to in the roles that we're in, doing what we do. You you have to demand a lot of yourself, and and you have to be willing to to make sacrifices. And I learned that from an early age before I ever started in the energy industry. I started my career as a mechanic, so I was working in a shop repairing equipment, and that those skills that I learned there apply today. Because guess what, we're still running equipment today, and sometimes the challenge of the day is not 
how do you finance growth or, you know, how do you get through the, the financials or, you know, what strategy are we doing for to grow into this market or with this customer? It may be around a mechanical issue that that's going on that the team is having a tough time trying to figure out. And maybe I can impart some some experience there to get them to think a little about something different. And that ends up being the solution of the day. So all the way through that, through, you know, being in engineering roles and in sales roles and all the varied roles that I've, I've been able to be in over the years, all of that at some point in the week or, or at least in the month comes into play in my current role. And without those experiences, I think I would be more challenged to, to be as effective as, as, you know, I've been able to be. So I, I truly believe that. And I think your team watches you too. You know, if, if you're, if you have those skills, they want to learn those skills as well. There's a certain respect that goes with working with someone that you feel can can help you get through the situation, that whatever that situation may be. So yeah, I do. I strongly believe that it's it's you know you're, you're the we're the product of our entire uh, past, and to the degree that that's varied. We're, we're, it, it, it impacts our, our success and our effectiveness as a leader. So, Yeah, I agree. Because I think sometimes when you're starting out in your career as well, you always feel like you wish you were further on and you wish you were managing this, that, and the next thing. Whereas realistically, you, if you, were, you probably wouldn't be ready to do that. And, That's right. And you're better off learning Okay, it might seem mundane at the time activities, but they all lead to a greater picture that you can yeah. use when you when you are a manager, when you have to right. help, when you go have to go and help your team. For sure. In your opinion, what makes an outstanding hire? If you were going to hire a graduate or a senior, or I, I think we talk a lot, and this term may get overused but about some of the intangibles, you know, it's easy to look at a resume and see someone's work history and see their pedigree from a university standpoint and what their education is. And, and oftentimes we hire people that don't come from the university, right. That have a, a, a good, a good work pedigree. And, you know, I think when you, you call around and, and you start checking references and, and you look at some of those intangibles first, I mean, a, a good, strong work ethic is, is you can overcome a lot with that. If you're willing to put in the time and, and willing to, to, to learn and come in with an open mind and understand that, it's, uh, that there's a team and you have the ability to contribute to that team. And if the team wins, you win. Uh, I, I played sports, so that's, you know, it's, a con- it's kind of a team concept, but it, I, I think it applies very well at work. You know, that, those things seem, seem like they would be concepts that are easy for everyone to understand, but, but not everybody that comes to you wanting a job feels that way. So obviously, if you're hiring in a very technical role, that person has to have those underlying hard technical skills. You know, if, if you're, you're bringing someone in in a role that's, you know, the, the soft skills can't make up for that. Those, those hard skills have to be there. But, but some of the more, you know, how, how well does this person, how well is this person going to interact with the, with the team? 
how well are they going to uh, internalize the vision and, and make that be a driver for them. Uh, some of that is, you know, some of that can be a little bit of subjective on the, the hiring manager, including me, to, to, to feel that way, to, you know, to make that determination. So it's a chance. Sometimes it's a chance you take. And there's things we do to try to make it less subjective. But uh, at the end of the day, the, the intangibles for me, when, when the hard skills are there, the intangibles come a, become a really big deal. Is this is this person excited about what we're doing? Is this just a job? Is this a stepping stone for them to get to the next higher compensated role? Are they here because they want to be here because they like what we're doing and they they think they can help the team make a, a difference? That that resonates a lot more with me personally. Okay, no, that's a really good answer. I just wondered how can you tell when you're interviewing whether someone's there or someone's intentions is going to be just to have the job as a stepping stone. That, wouldn't that be hard to tell? Well, I can't give you all my tricks, Michelle, but <laughs> no, you, you know, it's, it is. It, it, it can be. There are people that can um, uh, we use the word fake it. They can fake it for a bit. Yeah. So you have to be, you know, you have to certainly be careful of that. I think there, there are things you pick up on. And I, I believe as well that after a period of time, you, you have to kind of rely on your kind of intuition and your, your gut feel, if you will, on, on someone, their, their mannerisms when, they're, when you're interviewing or talking to them. But also you'll start to, you'll start to pick it up in, um, in conversations with their people they've listed as references. Okay. So, you can start to see a vein, and, and and I subscribe to the belief that we need diversity in our company. And I'm not talking just about racial and you know gender diversity and all of those things. We certainly need that, and we we have a a, a great amount of that. Well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of females in our industry in the technical roles. Uh, that's changing, and we we're excited about what that can bring to us. But I mean diversity in experience and diversity in personalities. I tell the team, we don't all need to be like best friends. It's not about being chummy with each other all the time. We need to appreciate the benefit that each person brings to the table. And I think when you get that diversity of opinion and that diversity of experience, and when that all gets meld together in a product, you end up with a better product whether that's a service or an actual, you know, hard product, a technology, because um, you, you, not everybody thinks the same and you start getting, you get to have an, you have to have an environment where that diversity of opinion can, can really sprout. And, 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 and that batting back and forth of ideas that comes from that diversity can really help that, that end product be so much better. So when we're hiring, we I have to. Um, that's why I go back to the kind of the intangibles, because otherwise we want to. You know, the tendency is to want to hire people. I'll say just like ourselves, and and that can be to me, you you miss an opportunity for true innovation when you do that. You're leaving the possible possibility of greater innovation. You're you're sacrificing some of that when you do that. We try to avoid that. I try to avoid it. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people would try and avoid that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any career disasters and how have you handled them? Well, throughout my career, yeah. I mean, I've had a, a we've had a couple of, um, you know, I've had a couple of safety incidents that have occurred, really things outside of, of, of our control as a company where, you know, painful to think about where things happened and people's lives were impacted. Those are things that you think about, especially as you go in your career. Like sometimes I think it's an unfortunate reality of life from a current perspective. You know, we, you build up, you build a prototype and you test that prototype and, and, you know, we put our heart and soul and money and all of that into this. And so you, you know, you go down that path and, and, Things are looking great and you're you're getting confidence every day and every hour that, you know, you're, you're on the right path. And then you have a technological setback or a mechanical setback that you totally didn't see, just totally blindsides you. Right. And those can create some some dark times as well. And we, we of course, had that happen. That's why you build a prototype. That's why you test. That's why you, you go through the through the, the rigors of of making sure before you kind of, you know, hit the start button on manufacturing and you start just creating product that you, you make sure that you you've got it solved. And yeah, there were a couple of those. So uh, I'll spare you the gory details, but yes, we, <laughs> we, we certainly had a couple of setbacks. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> what keeps you motivated when things get tough? The belief that you're on the right path, the belief that what you do matters, the belief for me that that I know I've co- I'm confident, say that I'm confident that others will see and are seeing and will see and the, the, the belief will grow that this technology makes a difference, that we are doing things different. And my my children my my wife, my wonderful wife, it's supported me through all of this and highs and lows. The face of of our colleagues when we meet and and seeing the excitement in their in their face that we're on we're doing something different that they can go home to their to their families and and talk about the things that we're doing great for the industry. Yeah, when times are tough and and it's it's you know you want to maybe take a knee for a moment. It's 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 easy to gain inspiration from that, and that's what what keeps me, what really keeps me motivated day in day out. So, was it ever? I was just wondering, was there ever a time that you ever thought that you would give up, especially during especially during COVID? Because I remember you saying yeah. that it was really difficult. Did you ever really think about it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I walked. Bobby Chapman's office one Monday morning, and um, he's our CEO, he's co-founder, great guy. He's he been a mentor and, and someone I have tremendous respect for. And, and we kind of chatted about the weekend, and these are in the kind of the coldest, darkest, most bleakest days of COVID. And I said, man, I, you know, I, we chatted about the weekend. I said, yeah, I, I kind of spent my weekend, you know, rethinking my life choices, you know, <laughs> just jokingly so, but, you know, like, am I doing the right thing? What, you know, what is, and of course it was a, it was a bit of a tongue in cheek comment, but, but true. I think every now and then you think, you know, am I doing, 
uh, am I doing the right thing? And I think that's probably the only time in my career I've ever wondered, you know, and again, we were, it was a, it was a bleak time uh, across the globe, right? Not just, not just for our company, not just in our industry, not just in our country, but, but globally, it was a very, very bleak time. So, but, you know, you, you quickly get a hold to yourself and say, no, we're, what we're doing matters and what we, what we do makes a difference and people are going to need it. And, and, and we've got employees relying on us. We've got people that rely on us. So you get a hold to yourself, get over it. It's okay. You know, and we, we move forward, but yeah, we, we, I still remember that day. We laugh about it occasionally, but so. No, I'm glad I am. I'm, I'm glad that you can look back and see that you're glad that you didn't give up. I think it's important as well. Because I think yeah, I think so. I think everybody, especially when you're starting a new business, everything everybody must have them times as well. Yes. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think it makes in, in a lot of ways it makes success that much sweeter when you get to that point where, you know, where you're successful as a company. It makes it that much that much nicer to achieve. And I'm not you know, we're, I don't misunderstand me, Michelle. We're not, it's not like we've reached that pinnacle, you know, we're still striving every day to be better. I still challenge myself to learn something every day. I think that's the biggest thing that probably will drive me to do something different. When I quit learning, when I quit getting challenged, and when I feel like I can't be effective as a leader and in, in helping transfer knowledge and helping people grow, I think I will, I'll have to do something different. I don't know what that'll be, but I don't see that here because we're learning every day. And, and as I said, we're, we're still striving for a higher level of success. We're, we're, we feel successful in where, what we've achieved thus far, but there's still a lot of opportunity to improve ahead of us. And we're going to continue this team, this team will continue to strive to be better and, and innovate. You know, when you innovate, you, you're never satisfied. I kind of call it the perpetual dissatisfaction. You know, you're, you know, I guess the politically correct term of that is maybe uh, continuous improvement. I just like to say we're not, we're never satisfied completely with what we do. And we're always looking, how do we make it better? So, yeah, that, that will continue to drive us. And it, as it continues to drive me, I think our, our, our company sees that they've gotten on board with that. So I'm amazed at the ideas. And when you open that up, when you leave a platform and you leave a company where people are, I have a very, very open door policy. And the ideas that come from people walking in, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Can we do this? Can we do that? And man, that's, that's, that's inspirational for me to get to see that and hear that. So be a part of that. I feel honored, really. To be to be in an organization like that. Well, that sounds like you, yes, it does sound like you're in that your organization is amazing. Actually, it's got me amazing corporate culture, which is quite yeah. difficult to create as well. So, you know, the it's probably been um, we spend a lot of time on on culture and trying to have that that environment where people do feel free to share and and free to be a part of and and. We we try not to to distance, you know, the I, I don't I really don't even like the term C-suite, but where we try to make sure there's not a hard line between, you know, company 
leadership and and the workers. Because I think when you do, you start, it, it can become, and I've been in companies like that, it's almost a us versus them mentality or a us and them tech mentality, but that and is not necessarily positive. And I, Bobby and I wanted it to be a culture where it was us collectively as a group and we each have a role to do and we need to understand our roles, but collectively we as a team move, we move progress forward. Collectively as a team, we innovate. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot, lot we can continue to do and it takes everybody. So I appreciate a culture where people can contribute and feel that they can make a difference. And if they do, you know, they're here for a lot more than just a paycheck and that's what you want. So. No, thank you. What is your zone of genius? What are you most good at? I like to think I can take complex things and, and maybe um, kind of split them up into parts and make them easier for people to understand, understand the importance of those constituents Sometimes on, on some things that are fairly complex, you can get lost in the maybe the end the end product, and, and in reality, it's just a it's a conglomeration of its constituents, and and understanding the piece that those individual parts play, and how they interact with each other, and how that affects the outcome. Sometimes that gets can get lost. It kind of goes back to the why comment I made earlier. You know, teaching the why. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm fairly effective at that. I'd like to think that I am. You'd have to ask my team, but I, I believe that I, I do a pretty good job of that. So, and sometimes it's, you do it kind of as a, maybe a little bit of a gut check, right? So we get focused on the end product and you can forget sometimes that there's all the little components that you have to manage in order to, to get to that end product. So whether that's a, a, pro, you know, a project or a, a true product or a, a process, maybe, whatever it is. So I'm not sure. I think that, that that's probably one of my, that, you know, one of my stronger suits. And that becomes, you, you have to have a fair amount of teaching ability to do that, right? You, you know, so I like to believe, too, that I'm a pretty good builder of teams, that I can build teams that are, that have the right skills, the right intangibles, the right hard skills, the right soft skills, yet are diverse. And, and, I, and I think I'm, you know, able to, to communicate the effectiveness of that approach to, to teammates. So I was going to ask you as well, how do you make up a really good team? What is it, what, in your opinion, what would that comprise of? Well, Kind of to circle back again, I, I think making sure, first of all, making sure that you understand what the goal is. So they have to understand what the prize is, right? What's the, what trophy are we going after? And, and maybe the trophy is just the next win. And the next win could, could be, you know, solving a technical problem that, that is persisting that we need to get beyond. The, the, the next win could be Vortex Prime. And which is a very big, big deal for us, right? So it just depends. But I think back to what I said earlier, you have to have people that have the, the hard skills 
they, you know, you got to, you got to show up with the right hard skills. That part's, that part's there. But the intangibles of, of wanting to understand that your contributions are part of it and, and not all of it, understanding that you can help your team be successful and, and by your contributions and the team concept first, let's, let's win as a team. Uh, I think those are, those are things that have to be of the very fabric of, of, a, of a good team. The other thing, and this doesn't get probably, it gets talked about a lot in academic, in academic circles, but good communication, right? Making sure that there's, and I'm not, I mean, proper communication is great, right? But also making sure that there's consistent communication, that people aren't fearful to not communicate bad news or good news or, or that the different disciplines within the company are communicating across, you know, across their disciplines. And I don't, I don't want to call them departments because any kind of departments, you think that you've got these silos erected and, you know, it's, it's hard to communicate, but, but there are different groups that are concentrating on different things and that's fine. There has to be clear communication across those, those departments and disciplines that, you know, I think that helps drive a better product in the end. I think that helps you win. It's a back to the team concept. You have to have people that agree with that and believe that and show and, and live it. It has to be lived every day. And I think that's what makes a great team. Well, that was an excellent answer. Thank you very much. So what does your average week look like? Well, a lot of time spent, you know, with my, my group. I don't, man, an average week is you probably have to look at an average year because <laughs> week to week, there's a lot of variance in what I do. I spend a lot of time with our, with our, our partners, different vendors. I've got vendor partners that, that are helping, helping us be successful. I spend a fair amount of my time on process assurance and process ad- adherence and service quality related, you know, endeavors to make sure that we're we're doing the things that we need to do to be consistent and safe in our our service quality and our our service you know delivery. We 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 put a lot into being consistent. You know, when you're a company like us and you have different you know different groups operating, it's not easy. I'm always amazed at some of the big you know fast food chains that can you know really take fairly inexperienced workers and put them in a, in a fast paced situation. Yet the consistency in the product is really consistent, right? Store to store, even country to country. You know, you see some of these fast food chains that, that their product is consistent. And, and we spend quite a bit of time studying that, talking about that. How do, how do we make sure that our different fleets that are operating perform very close to the same. So I spent the time there. Of course, now we're we're growing and technology, getting our, our name there and our, our story out. I spend a, a bit of time with our marketing group and doing that. That's been that's been fun to, to do. And then um, you know, we we spend a lot of time looking at our results, some of the some some of the time looking at our results and and how do we how do we continue to get better? You know, we have we have uh partners, uh, financial partners that we owe a debt to. And, and we understand that. And we want to make sure we're delivering on our promises to them. So we challenge ourselves there as well. 
spend spend a bit of time there. And then I think a lot of it is is interacting with the team, kind of keeping your 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 finger on their pulse, not you know to see what what's where are they having successes, where are they having the troubles that I maybe can impact and help them be more successful. So there's there's a bit of time doing that, quite quite a bit of time with that. So it varies week to week. But it's never, it's never boring, Michelle. Never boring. No, it so. doesn't sound like it is. It sounds like amazing. So one last question. Okay. If you could turn back time, would you change anything? Hmm. Well, I'm assuming you mean career-wise. I, uh, you know, personal level that, yeah, there's, there's things you'd do. You'd always look back and say, I'd do different, you know. I think from a career perspective, it's easy to say, you know, we should have done this different and we should have done that different. I'm not sure. I think there's value in the learning that comes from mistakes. I think there's value in that. I think it makes you, as a company, I think it makes you stronger. As a team, I think it makes you stronger. And as an individual, I think it makes you stronger. You know, as painful, once the pain's over with, right? It's hard to agree to that when you're going through the pain. But once the, once the you know, wound has healed, so to speak, and you look back on it, 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 it truly, it truly does make you stronger. Because I think you think different after that. And you think, maybe you think of the implications of decisions and you think about things a little bit longer and maybe a little bit more intensity in your decision making because you don't want to go through that again. And that's probably a great statement about life as well. So, but I, I do believe that, you know, if, if any of us could have predicted the ills of a global pandemic, that would have been great as painful, but you know, in the, the day it made us stronger and it certainly made us stronger as a company. It gave us some confidence that we can weather really tough times, but it made us challenge everything. So yeah, I'm not sure I'd change with no no current wounds on the body, I think I'd say no, there's nothing I'd change. If yeah, like I said, you ask me when we're going through it, obviously, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, let's let's not do that. But I'm not sure. That's not a very good answer for you, but that's that's my belief. No, that's a really good answer actually. So thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate your time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.